filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, and a whole lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Thanksgiving is a time of dashing and driving and movements all over this great country of ours and i'm going to be doing that tomorrow night i am going to work tomorrow and then i'm coming home and for about 20 minutes i'll be at home and then i'm driving to thanksgiving i'm driving three hours uh plus away for thanksgiving to go to radford virginia and maybe smoke a turkey. I don't know if my father-in-law wants me to smoke a turkey or not. Uh, but I'm going to bring my smoking accoutrement. And we'll just see what happens. It's a very rolling the dice of Thanksgiving kind of weekend. And I think it'll you know, be good. I'm just going to bring my... Sm- yes. Go go ahead. No, no. And You were on a roll. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I've been interrupted. So what's up? Uh, I, I think... What you need to do is just go big. Go really big with this. No. Put a turkey in your no. car. Uh-uh. A live turkey. It no, can be in the I'm trunk. Have That's a, fine. I'm going to have a dog and a baby and a, and my wife in the car. <laughs> it I'm can be in a the live trunk. Turkey. No. A loose, raw turkey. No, 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 no. A living turkey. No. That's worse. <laughs> I want the thing in the trunk, like gobbling up a storm. No, you get put to it your in your trunk. House. No, put it in your trunk. Wait, I don't wait, have a trunk. I, your... I drive. I drive an SUV, a small SUV, so it's just open. Ben, is your proposal that Adam drive this live turkey to your Thanksgiving? No, my 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 proposal is Adam <laughs> have all live turkeys, and I don't want any live turkeys. <laughs> so you, you want Adam to drive with the live turkey, but you don't care where he goes. No. Okay. <laughs> Take well, his I'm gonna go wherever. I'm gonna go donate them to someone who wants them and deserves them, frankly, more than Ben. You I mean, wanted me to murder a live turkey in the backseat of my car, sir. I, 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 mean, I, I number one, the turkey's happened. doomed, regardless. What, Let, what let's not not in my the, world. In my world, there is no live turkey to be doomed. At, at least one and possibly many turkeys let loose in Adam's car, and he has to get them to somewhere. To donate them to someone. Uh, that in and of itself... There doesn't have to be any live turkeys. There should be no live turkeys. Ben, where do you think dead turkeys come from? <laughs> where do you think turkey meat comes from? They're already dead. You're pro- you're proposing that I have a live turkey in the back of my car that I have to then murder. No, no, I think that no there is, I think there's a that. case to be made that if you are going to eat meat, you should be cognizant whence it came. But also, I know no exactly where it comes from. No one ever said you had to serve the turkey that you take with you for Thanksgiving. You just oh have to man, have Jason, Jason, that's brilliant. That you was... can just carry it with you and then you know endure untold no. terrors by driving around with a turkey in your car. You could get really perverse and feed it Thanksgiving dinner. No, I, I think what is actually happening here is Adam has to come kill everyone who listened to this podcast's turkeys. <laughs> I don't think that's what happened. I think that is what you just said. I think that's what you just bound yourself to do. I I disagree. 
I, I disagree with you. I think <laughs> by your very statements, you have said that you're going to go kill everyone's turkeys so that they can eat turkeys. I know. And, and, and if Adam does not kill everyone, them, everyone should slaughter that everyone their has own to be meat. vegan. Well, you don't have to slaughter your own meat. I, I certainly don't, but you know, you should be aware that your meat was alive at some point. That's, you know, th- this took a turn. You, you, you know turned it. Coming, you turned it. You I did. Coming out, and coming out well in this exchange is me, Jason. Uh, no turkeys in my car. No murder. Uh, everything's going great for me. Jason, you're my co-pilot <laughs> in the turkey mobile. I mean, I didn't set out to orchestrate a situation in which one of you or both of you possibly has many turkeys loose in your vehicles, but, uh, you know, that's the way the way that's the way the cookie crumbles, guys. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster. <laughs> no, Black and not. red united. And I'm not I'm not part of this podcast. Worst anymore. Thanksgiving dinner ever podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, uh, who who apparently is a rugged individualist who thinks everyone should slaughter his own meat. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Bromley, who doesn't understand where meat comes from, and Jason Anderson, the Greek chorus in this little that's tragedy. Wrong. You're just lying. <laughs> We're all from blackandredunited.com, which is I'm not, not a lie. I'm not, I'm not anymore. No, that is a lie. I'm not anymore. We cover soccer there, mostly DC United. Who... No, Adam covers animal cruelty, apparently. Ben, I there are humane ways to slaughter your meat. If you if you think that killing an animal to eat it is cruel and murder, you shouldn't eat meat. Like that's a pretty easy position. If you are comfortable with eating meat, you have to be comfortable with where it comes from just on a philosophical level i'm saying you're ruining this podcast (laughs) how many turkeys are you guys planning on driving around with one more than there's there's apparently a live turkey in the neighborhood over from mine right now i've been in your your car i know you could fit like three turkeys in there uh without at least initially having any problems driving you You know if i as long as i put a screen up behind the problems if I put a screen up between the the two front seats, I think we'd be okay. Like the turkeys are not going to get into the front seats, so we'll be all right. It's the car seats I have to worry about. I don't want to clean them. So you're just going to yeah. leave the car seats in there. You're not going to take them out. I I don't know. I I, I don't know how much prep time all I'm right. going to have before oh, okay. the, they get question. into the car. Uh, so it, is this an emergency like live turkey pickup I mean, we're talking I'm gonna about? Make, I'm going to make a, a snap decision and say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it would be. Yes. Um, <laughs> if I'm driving around with multiple live turkeys yes. in my car instead of it's in Ben's a, car, then... This is not an everyday situation for you. <laughs> um, it is, in fact, a no-day situation for me. You, you've never had a turkey in your car? Uh, not a live one, no. Okay. I have had... Not in my car, but in cars I've rented. Uh, at the same time, a cat, a rabbit, and a dog with a bike on the roof. Uh, okay. And, and three lot. grown people in the car as well. That was interesting. Um, that, was, that was actually during uh, the 2000, December 2009 Snowmageddon storm. Driving, trying to beat the snow to the mountains so that we would be on the other side of the mountains before Why? the roads closed. Why did you take that many animals to the mountains? Uh, we were getting them to Kentucky. We were driving a friend home, and she had a menagerie. Okay. Uh, and and a bike. Anyway, 
Tonight we are uh, we have a little bit of DC United to talk, mostly in the form of Wayne Rooney. Uh, other than that, we're going to be talking about MLS playoffs, uh, present and future, apparently. And uh, who knows what else we'll get to. This is kind of a, a big shrug uh, emoticon sort of show. But before we do anything, Ben, what are you drinking? Apple cider and bourbon. Are they mixed together or are they in two separate glasses and you're double fisting? They're obviously mixed together. Okay. I didn't want to assume anything. Jason, I understand that you have gone to Mark's. Well, well, I, I, I pulled, I pulled our listeners. Uh, you I, did. May have, I may have worded the poll in a way that guaranteed the outcome. Uh, knowing our <laughs> listeners, um, but I did give them the chance to not vote uh, from switching to from from wine to tequila, uh, which was the question. Um, I, I guess I'll recognize. Uh, it looks like the only no votes were from Mark Rickling and Ryan Kiefer, who both tweeted that they didn't think I should change to tequila, but they didn't um, actually and, vote in the poll. The poll itself was well, unanimous. No, it wasn't. Uh, oh. There are probably, I can't do the math, but it's 94% out of 17 votes. I think that's probably 15 to 2. It might be 16 to 1. Anyway. Uh, 25 or 6 to 4? Yes. Uh, trumpet in interlude. Um, <laughs> but an overwhelming uh, plurality of voters uh, demanded that I switch to tequila, and so I have a margarita. I am drinking a New Belgium Fat Tire, or at least that's what I thought I was grabbing. It turns out to be a New Belgium Fat Tire Belgian White, <laughs> which okay. is a slightly different flavor profile. When I opened it up and and took a swig, I was I, I was thought, confused. I thought and, Fat Tire only implied one specific beer, and uh, that apparently a white would be they, a different beer. It, it yes. That is also what I thought, which is why when I saw New Belgium Fat Tire at the top, I didn't bother reading anymore. Um, but but I should have noticed that the label is a slightly different color. The bike is different on it. Um, that tire's it, no good anymore. I, it's fine. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not like the standout that it that it once was because the rest of the world has caught up with it a little bit. But I still find it to be a, quite a good beer. I don't. You sure you don't want to take a live turkey to your in laws? I think it would really impress your father-in-law. It wouldn't. <laughs> I've never met the man, but I disagree. He wouldn't want a live one. He would want me to smoke part of a turkey, but he would not want a live one. See, I feel like any in-laws would have questions about either of you showing up with the turkeys you're apparently going to be driving with in the near future. I'm not driving with any turkeys. I'm driving because... with zero turkeys. Because I have a dog. I have a dog. No, I have a dog in the. I'm gonna have a dog in the car that I'm driving to Radford, Virginia. The dog would eat any turkey, live or dead. Is, Do you have a trunk then? You can set up even if you don't have a closed trunk, like I don't. You can set up a little pen for the turkey. No. The dog will be in no. the front with you. No. I'm saying there are engineering solutions to the problems you're pointing out. Yeah, you can have bad turkey. You can have bad rotten turkey, and I'm not gonna. I'm just saying that fathers-in-law across the board are going to look at you and be like, Don't want bad rotten turkey. Why did you bring a live turkey here? Um, 
because you know yeah, you they're gonna be have, mad about it they're not gonna want the live turkey you guys don't have a history of wrangling turkeys uh of any sort for any purpose and so this would be wildly out of character um and i feel like it would dominate the thanksgiving conversation and that's way better than awkward political conversations with your in-laws just saying you can picture the uh, the long silence before someone's like, but why did you bring a turkey? <laughs> why did you do this? And you have to say like, well, I, I, you know, you might know I'm on this podcast and uh, somehow the intro got, got away from me and now there's a turkey. I don't know what to tell you. That's how I picture it going. Not, see, I had intended it as I brought this turkey to smoke and feed you my my wife's family. And and now it's just turned into, well, my friends made me do it because we said it on a podcast. It, it seemed like it would be funny for the podcast. <laughs> I, I'll admit that's not the worst reason anything has ever been done. <laughs> so Adam's going to have a gross gangrene turkey and all the rest of us are going to be great. I don't understand why the turkey suddenly has like frostbite. A- Adam's no, I said gangrene. I did not say frostbite. I don't know why it has gangrene, which you can get after frostbite. Because you drove it to oblivion. (laughs) You know, I I used to drive really fast. I'm much more of a careful driver now, and I don't think driving quickly can actually um, give So driving slower is going to give it more gangrene. It's alive the whole time. (laughs) Not in your care. (sighs) Well, not at the end, obviously. It's safe to say neither of you has any idea how this would end because you've never driven with a turkey before. I'm not going to have any live turkeys. There are no turkeys in my that's why, But that's why you don't know how it's going to end. A total lack of experience. Ben, I think you need to develop your sense of adventure. That's all. No, I don't. There was a soccer game in London last week. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Ben just wants to talk about whether or not live no, turkeys should turkeys. exist. I don't want to talk about turkeys, but I also don't want to talk about a game in England. Well, what if a DC United player was involved? But it sucked. I mean, Wayne Rooney looked like he was having fun. Yeah, but the US sucked. Yeah. yeah so let's talk about Rooney first. Wayne yeah, Rooney got his 100 players, so screw those guys. Yeah. Go England. No, which is weird for me to no, say because I no. love to hate on England. This, this podcast has gotten away from us. I will Here, never yeah. say go England. <laughs> Wayne Rooney got his 120th cap for the Three Lions in a three nothing win over the United States last. Who the hell cares what day it was? Uh, U.S. were were lucky to only go off three nil. Um, they could have lost a lot worse. Wayne Rooney. Nearly had a couple of goals, um, almost had an assist as well uh, in in his substitute appearance. Uh, the the fans seem to appreciate him. Everything seems to have all the the drama around his getting one last cap a couple of years after his previous one or his most recent one, um, and and getting a sort of testimonial and and being a, a waste of a friendly and. How could the FA do this? Nobody seemed to be worried about that anymore. The players on the field seemed to enjoy it. He seemed to enjoy it. The fans at Wembley seemed to enjoy it. A good time was had by all, as long as they weren't American. 
it, it seemed like, uh, I mean, it didn't seem like Rooney was unqualified to play for England in that game. He didn't look out of place with that group at all. Um, and he also looked significantly better than the U.S. national team, um, which is great for D.C. United if he keeps looking like he can uh, outwit uh, younger, smarter, or younger, uh, more mobile players than himself. Uh, yeah, he had a couple of cutbacks on on two of his shots. I think I don't know if he had more than two shots. I don't remember, but he had, they were both set up with uh, cutbacks that just made American defenders look silly. <laughs> He also he had, he had a few of the you know we've become very familiar with seeing him um, make those uh, one touch passes in space mm-hmm. that he draws a defender and then flicks the ball away and um, he's been very effective at that and we saw him do that a few times for England that um, even with him not necessarily involved at the end of the scoring opportunity they probably should have done better with it um, so the fact that the best defenders allegedly according to Dave Sarikin only uh, that, that we can call in. Um, they couldn't really do anything with him either. So that's a, that's a big plus. Um, uh, and it, you know, it was a nice occasion. Uh, the English media blowing it up the way they did was ridiculous, but that's, that's what the they English do. Media. That's, that's their whole thing. So, um, I'm sure Rooney was bemused and probably feels more than ever happy to be, uh, playing in the United States. I'm, I'm curious whether the current England team is, Rooney was just ahead of his time with England. The, the, the current England team seems to play a style that highlights his qualities, especially as an older guy now, anyway, uh, better than the, the more classic four, four, two England teams of your, um, either way, this England team was much, much better than the U S on the night. Um, yeah, it wasn't they, close like two, nothing. No, made it made it sound closer than it was by a lot. I mean, and, and the fact that a couple of them were just really good finishes, not even related to really the, how the game was playing out that Lingard finish on the first one was unsavable. Like Hamid himself couldn't have reached that. Uh, And, you know, I excuse my blasphemy, please. Uh, But they just looked like a team that didn't have direction that didn't have, uh, and I, I I hate talking about identity, but they it was Christian Pulisic and ten guys out there, and that's not. I mean, it's good to integrate a lot of these young players, but you can't go any further than that in praise of Dave Sarikin. And he, you know, he's been handed a, a raw deal as just an interim guy for over a year, but at the same time, you would have, you know, he wanted that job permanently, and he didn't really advance his case uh, go ahead ben no i was just gonna say him still like him still coaching this team is pointless this is these friendlies in this window are pointless there's no reason for him to be here there's no reason for this team to be playing these games if they're not going to try and make anything happen during this window uh i get the reasons that uh and, and it's totally different that I, I understand why Greg Berhalter isn't quite available yet, even though they might could have named him the head coach already, but it's pointless right now. This doesn't matter. And calling these people in with a coach who's definitely not going to be the head coach going forward is just pointless. So I don't understand why we're even bothering. Like 
it's not helping anyone. It's just making everyone feel like shit, and it's just terrible. So let's just not play any games, or let's not try and make it seem like it's a real fixture, because it's not. It's just pointless. It's it's nothing, and we shouldn't try and treat it like it is something. It's just bullshit. I, I think Ben's hitting kind of the nail on the head on why this performance was bad as well, because... I feel like the players know Dave Sarakin isn't going to stick around. There's a 0% chance of it happening before, before it became obvious that Burhalter was going to get the job. And it was just that he probably is going to get the job. Uh, there was always that outside chance that, that Sarakin was still the interim coach for almost a year at that point. Now it's over a year. Somehow we've, we wasted an entire year uh, of the U S men's national team's existence. Uh, and our lives, our lives too. Uh, at least as far as that goes. I mean, I did some other stuff that was cool in that time. I mean, I we, yeah, sure we did. You but guys I mean, both did too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah mean, but as far as being national team fans, uh, yeah, it was a complete waste of time that nothing, there was no progress made. And I think the performance in this game kind of reflected that. I, I don't think the players, I, I think they gave a the requisite effort, but I don't think they're, you know, there's a difference between giving the requisite effort, but not necessarily having the emotional uh, push behind it or that level of focus that comes when it actually matters. Um, and I think that was lost. And I think that showed in this game because we've seen the U S play, you know, France, for example, um, where they definitely were the worst team on the field, but they were managing to find a way to keep the game competitive. And, and, you know, against France, if I'm not memory serves at this point, I think they won that game. Um, right. Am I, am I crazy there? I felt like a win. It doesn't look like anything to me. I don't remember. Um, but <laughs> like I, I, I've so tuned out on this national team program, this men's right. program that I, I don't even remember. Like, I was like, Oh yeah, they did play France. I think that that's um, as much as I remember. But that was when everyone in the the talent pool was engaged in the prospect of impressing people and sealing a spot in the the program going forward. Now, especially with Sarakin, not necessarily like, you know, the first six months he was calling people in that maybe had been overlooked uh, for a little too long. But then he just kept calling in the same guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you lose all of that edge and it just becomes okay, so we're still in this stasis and you're not going to lead us in any important games going forward. So what am I trying to impress you for? Um, you know, you you lose all of that. And that's, you know, from a fan perspective, you know, Ben's attitude, I think, sums up how I feel. Um, but I yeah. think it also, it bleeds into every other aspect of the program. And I think U.S. soccer doesn't really get that, which is shocking to me that they don't, but they clearly don't. Yeah, there's a common refrain out there. If you were just going to hire Greg Berhalter, why did you wait a year? And yeah. I, I think he that's... would have left the Columbus crew the day they called him and said, do you want to be the national team head coach? Yeah. Um, and I think the the federation, rightly or wrongly, wanted to wait for the election so that the, the new president of, of right, USSF would, would make a decision. And then it took them how long to appoint a, a, a general manager? for the men's program. Right. Like, and then you want to let that guy make the hire. And then it, it turns out it was the one, you know, Jay Burhalter wanted to hire his brother all along and none of the, neither the election nor the, the hiring of Ernie Stewart as the GM, right. uh, it, it didn't change anything. It's still the same guy it, and it's, it's still the same U S soccer. And it's frustrating. 
Yeah, no one wants to rock the boat. And so everyone that survived missing the World Cup on the men's side, everyone that survived that debacle, uh, which is pretty much everyone not named Sunil Galati, um, you know, everyone's like, okay, so the wave of firings we all worried about just never happened. So let's just keep going, doing what we're doing. Um, yep, Tab Ramos is fine, apparently. Every, everything's fine. Nothing's wrong, guys. Nothing's wrong. Everything's we were fine. we were one post fine. away. Yeah, it was just two inches that is why they missed the World Cup. Not, you know, systemic flaws that are obvious. So anyway, it's good that England beat the the national team. I think we I think we agree. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily good. We're not rooting for England, but we're glad that uh, failure is being punished in some way because otherwise it was not being punished at all. Yeah, this is the downside of it being a game that matters not at all. Um, is I mean, we've seen what happens when games that matter are lost horribly. Nothing. So I guess it doesn't matter that this game doesn't matter. I'm talking myself in circles. Meanwhile, Oscar Preha is leaving FC Dallas and going to Cholos. Uh, he'll be the new manager in Tijuana, it sounds like. And he still probably would have been a pretty good national team manager uh, and, and certainly helped... Uh, broaden the player pool and bring along young players in a smart uh, way that has a vision for them and how they fit into the team as he has done at FC Dallas. And as he did very quickly in, in Colorado when in his short time there, Um, they signed a lot of homegrown players that they just cut loose. So I'm like, yes, they've been doing that before he got there though. Yeah. That was was more of a Shellis Heinemann thing. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's not all it's not all sure. bells and whistles. No, but I mean, a lot of youth players that get signed to professional deals don't pan yeah. out in the world. That's how yeah. it goes. It's a volume business for better or worse. And yeah, for worse. I, I have I, I don't really have a problem with them signing people so long as they're also giving them options, doing their best to to bring them up if that's what the players want. But, you know, you can. I, I'm a big advocate for MLS teams also providing academy players who sign professional deals with educational opportunities and pushing sure, them I'm, to I'm take advantage of those. And sure. and at that point, if you cut someone loose, okay, you you still paid for their education. They yeah, still I'm got just, something for the future out of it. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not all bells and whistles. I, I, he's he's it's not all great things, is what I'm saying. No, but he's they generally done given, a good job. They could have given him an, an interview. Yeah, they could well, have given I mean, anyone that, an interview. I, I'm not talking about the U.S. men's national team, because that's yeah, a whole yeah. other thing that we can go on forever. Well, not forever. We could just say that they did a bad job. Right. But, I mean, we're, we're, yeah. Um, yeah. It, the whole thing is frustrating. The national team program is frustrating. Uh, our youth development uh, appli- our applications of that concept are frustrating. Um, this is a frustrating time. And on that note, let's turn to the playoffs. <laughs> oh, cool! Uh, a thing that that DC United isn't in. That's yeah, frustrating. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the Western Conference first. Uh, Portland, Sporting Kansas City, uh, over two legs start Sunday in. Portland, uh, 7.30 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, Portland, probably the on the overall, the worst team still remaining in the playoffs. Um, the standings bear that out. Uh, they, but they, they've 
come on pretty strong in the playoffs and survived when they had to. Um, Diego Valeri has the capability to put a team on his back, which is pretty impressive considering he's like 90. <laughs> he's not. He's, I mean, he's an older player, but he's yeah. not. He's not ridiculously old. He's not Didier Drogba out there. But, um, I mean, <laughs> Valeri's really good, guys. That's that's my point. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, go I ahead. don't know. The fact that Portland is still alive is more evidence, in my opinion, that the Western Conference is still very much the weaker conference. Um, I don't think Portland would have made the playoffs in the East. Uh, I don't even think there's like a. Sh- I, I don't even have a shred of doubt on that. Um, but, but but Jason, if you look at the raw point totals, and that doesn't consider any of the head-to-head co- uh, 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 playing, they would have made it regardless because the West is better. Right. Well, you know, congratulations to them for getting points against Colorado and Minnesota and San Jose. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think anybody better. really thinks. Jason, I don't but think they're anybody- better. I don't think anybody actually thinks the West is better. Adam, but they're better. Point. Adam, you're Adam, wrong. The people Adam, do believe I, that. I yeah, I've gotten yelled at multiple times by Western Conference folks uh, who insist that outside of Atlanta and the Red Bulls, that the Western Conference was a- as good or better than the East. And I they thought I was crazy, and I thought they were crazy. Um, but I look at Portland and like the one team that they could have knocked out in the um, conference semifinal was Seattle. And it's not because they're a better soccer team. It's because the games against Seattle become emotional. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily, you know, if you took the Sounders roster and coaching staff and all that and put them at, uh, you know, at the StubHub Center and just made, they played out of Los Angeles and there was no natural rivalry there. um, Seattle wins that series decisively, I think. Um, But Portland. So what you're No, go ahead. So what you're saying is that the Sporks are going to win this one in a walk over they two really legs. They should, except they also should have demolished RSL, and they made extremely hard work out of that um, somehow at home. Uh, yeah, they against, forgot how to defend. They've been an incredible... Yeah, against, no, a, a RSL team that didn't have Albert Ruznak. That game should have been a stroll, and they almost screwed it up. Weird things happen in Portland, too, I feel like. And this first leg is there. We could see... I, I feel like it could be 3 nothing for either team in this first leg. Yeah, which... I mean... Yeah, I, I guess that's maybe part of the problem in the West is that the teams that should be good every once in a while will throw you a bad game. Um, maybe Kansas City got their one bad game out of the way. I'm sure Peter Vermes... Um, ate an entire metal uh, conference room table or something uh, in his post-game speech just to show his rage at his players for uh, turning that game into a difficult game. But uh, you can't rage your way through the playoffs. You've got to um, got to actually execute. And, you know, Portland's doing about as well as they can. It's not just Valeri either. You know, Sebastian Blanco has been really good. Um, they've gotten away with having to make changes at the back. They had... Um, uh, not who was it? Uh, Twiloma had to play the second leg. Uh, I think it was, um, at center back instead of their normal center back tandem. So, um, you know, they, they've, they've dealt with some adversity and they've still managed to come, come through that. I think, uh, David Guzman, they're saying it should be 
train he's you know playing with no problem so he should be fine for this you know the the break has helped but uh yeah they're playing about as well as they can but they're still not that great to you know Seattle should have been able to deal with them Kansas City should be able to deal with them but you know I have doubts about Kansas City now it'll be interesting I think to watch Diego Chara in this because I remember watching the the Timbers game here at, at Audi Field and uh, I was watching with our friend Kim McCauley um at the game and we would just comment how good Chara was in in individual moments and then you'd see a goal created from exactly where he was supposed to be um it, it's it's weird the level he's at there there are moments when he's just this world beater of a defensive midfielder and then moments where he runs himself out of the game um so that I guess as far as what I'm going to be watching in this one, assuming I you know can get away from the kids to turn it on, um, that that'll be it. Anything else on this game, or should we take a quick break and then come back to talk about the East? Let's just hearing break. nothing. I'm going to sneak over to Ben's car, put a live turkey in it. We will be right back. Thanks for listening. This is filibuster. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages or or do something else oh, nefarious... Oh, you are. In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. back to filibuster the black and red united podcast the eastern conference final kicks off on sunday 5 p.m watch it on espn atlanta united hosting the metros the new jersey red bulls energy drink conglomerate thing uh obviously we know who we are rooting against on this here podcast uh what are you looking for in this one jason uh i mean in the entire run of Atlanta United, they've been completely obliterated every time they play the Red Bulls. Um, and that's really the challenge is uh, if Tata Mortino can't, he did, you know, he changed some things uh, against Columbus or not against Columbus. Um, I'm thinking of the past, um, but it, you know, in the last round, he changed some things to um, he played that five, three, two in the first leg for example, um, just change some things to sort of give his team a better chance of beating NYCFC than in previous 
you know, previous experience, you would have thought he would have continued to be like, this is how we play. We're doing what we do. That's it. I don't care. Uh, this is how I want to coach. Um, against NYCFC, especially in that first leg at Yankee Stadium, they altered what they normally do specifically to try and win. Um, and so uh, I think we're going to see some wrinkles from him that we haven't seen before against the Red Bulls. And you know, the question is, are they going to work? Um, if they don't work, then it's probably going to be just like every other Red Bulls Atlanta game where the Red Bulls get Atlanta off their normal style of play. And eventually the Red Bulls pick up some goals somewhere because they like to play that sort of, um, you know, pinball kind of game where the passing percentages are down. Um, it's much more about tackling um, and, and where and you press balls. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if Atlanta can't avoid finding themselves in that kind of game, then, then they're going to lose. Um, I think, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think the best chance for the Red Bulls to get knocked off in this entire playoff field um, was against Columbus and the crew were fine for a while. Um, but then eventually just sort of ran out of gas and ran out of ideas. And, and uh, Daniel Royer, unfortunately found his shooting boots at the wrong time. And and now Columbus is out and the Red Bulls are through. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know that the Red Bulls have ever had a better shot at winning MLS cup. And I'm including the time they got to the final because that team that got to the final was trash. They just happened to be, um, you know, in the, the mess uh, that, the, you know, those old um, cartoons where you'd see the dust pile and people in a fight and there'd just be fists and legs sticking out. Um, somehow that one year, the Red Bulls were heaved out and they were the one team left standing to play in the, um, in the final this well, year, they were the it, Western conference champions that yes, year too, because, because, because they were the fifth in the East and they got sent over because it wasn't a, um, it wasn't four and four. It was like top three from each, and then there were two wild card spots. Um, so they represented the West in MLS Cup. This is not the case this year. Um, they're the Supporter Shield champions are the first team to finish with over seventy points in a season. Um, and unless Martino has something smart up his sleeve, you know, I I feel like they've got to be favorites. I'm really hoping Atlanta can run out to a multi-goal lead at home in this first leg. I hope they can take the energy they're going to have in front of 70,000 people um, at MBS and uh, turn it into something because I don't want the Red Bulls to win. I really, really don't. Um, But yeah, they're going to have to do something different against the Red Bulls press because they, they hadn't figured it out yet. And they, you know, they, they thought about how to beat NYCFC and did it in both legs. It It's surprisingly rare, I think, to see a team win both legs individually in MLS. So, and I think Atlanta did that. I think, I know they won in New York. I think they won the, their home leg as well. Mm. Um, so hopefully, you know, Tata's dialed in and he wants to go out on a, a high note before he takes over L tree. And going back to the USA discussion, we hire an executive's brother who has a great, a decent coaching resume. They hire Tata Martino in Mexico because, you know, that's where we are right now. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really have much more to say on, on this game other than uh, I, I'm sure Taylor Twelman's going to yell a lot at halftime. 
Well, I mean, that, that was going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, you know, sometimes he says good things. Sometimes he says things that are a little weird and wrong, but you know, he's going to say it loudly and forcefully at halftime. Uh, so we, we mentioned MLS's weird history of playoff structures. The, the, the year RSL won MLS Cup, they were the Eastern Conference champions because of that weird time when the, the last team to qualify for the playoffs from one conference would actually go to the other if they yeah, were outside of the top four or whatever. It was weird, and both years, I think they only used it for two years, and both years there was a crossover team making it and they realized oh wait when one conference is weaker than the other this actually gives the worst team to get in an advantage uh so they stopped doing that um it sounds like they are going to change the playoff structure going into next year however the athletics mickey turner um you can follow him on soccer at soccer esq because he covers law and soccer he's a lawyer uh and he's done a lot of good reporting and analysis over over the last couple of years uh and he's definitely worth following on twitter and reading uh wh- wherever he happens to write uh he has a report that mls is going to be changing their scheduling and their calendar and the playoff structure going into next year uh correct me if i'm wrong guys next year it it may or may not start earlier than usual in february as opposed to march that depends on negotiations between the the league and the players union because the start of the season is defined in the cba uh but it will end in early october before the uh october fifa window and then the playoffs will be all single elimination and end before the november fifa window um which i'm all for getting rid of two leg ties in the playoffs they make no sense they completely obviate home field advantage uh soccer is a game that's played over 90 minutes not 180 minutes in two venues so why are you treating those as one game uh i i I generally am for that kind of change it sounds like next year it's going to mean a lot more midweek games which i guess get better ratings on tv so the tv partners are are happy about that even if the teams maybe aren't um yeah ben what what are your thoughts initially on seeing this report i don't have good i don't have good thoughts i i feel like it is a the new system will be better and i'm happy that there's going to be a new system and that's mainly all i have to say (laughs) um problems in the current system besides the the two-legged ties which do create some drama or have the potential to create some drama but can also just lead to snorefests um and teams being very conservative uh there won't be a random any random multi-week breaks in the middle of the playoffs uh right now there's this sprint at the beginning with the the knockout round happening midweek and then you have the the first two-leg tie over uh, an eight day period right after that. Um, so the, the first leg is actually played on short rest for the teams that played in the knockout game. And then you have a break for the November FIFA window. And then you come back and you have two games on back to back weeks for the conference finals. And then another bye week to get ready for MLS cup. And so all this momentum you're building at the beginning com- is completely lost. And so I think as far as making the playoffs an event 
that has sustained momentum and an ability to hold attention, the new system will obviously be better. Um, that said, I'm not thrilled about the idea that you can win three games if you're the one seed in your conference. You have you have the chance to win MLS Cup after just three games. I don't love that. Yeah, and I, I mean, I understand why people are frustrated with the existing system having a large break. Um, on the other hand, I think. I don't know. I, I don't have the big problem with, with two-legged ties at all. Um, the only adjustment I would make to two-legged ties in MLS is that every team before the season starts should be obliged to submit their preference. If you're the higher seed, would you want to host the first leg or the second leg? Everyone gets to pick, and you can never change it. And at the end of the season, whoever the higher seed is, their preference is the one that's honored in ordering the legs of the playoffs. So um we've had a bunch of teams go into the playoffs and their coach comes out and says i really would have preferred having the first leg at home um rather than the second leg so okay you pick that and then you get to play the first leg when you wanted the first leg because you are the higher seed you deserve to get the the playoff scenario that's more preferable to you than your opponent um i think that would be a much more simple way to fix things um People would still complain about the momentum loss of the international window, but the downside is that by getting out from under it, by shortening the season, you're going to have an awful lot of games played with, you know, USL uh, players getting called in on those short-term loans, um, guys that under the normal schedule, under the 2018 setup, guys that maybe play five games are all of a sudden going to be playing 10 to 15 games because of all the other, you know, the midweek games, the need for rotation, uh, the almost obligatory playing during international windows during the regular season. Um, you know, we I mentioned to you guys on uh, Slack earlier tonight that DC United's lineup um if every player that could get an international call up, it looks very similar to the team uh, other than Rooney and Acosta. It looks kind of similar to the team that played against Olympia. Um, and so if you're, you know, for me, you play the schedule that's set up, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that once it's done and settled, it's like, all right, fine. You just have to, you have to negotiate the challenges that are in front of you. And that's that. Um, but for a lot of fans, something we've heard frequently is um, you pay, your season ticket price and you pay all this money for all the stuff that you have to pay for to, to be uh, at the stadium and all that um, you pay in part to get the best product. And if all of a sudden MLS is saying, yeah, but like five times a year, your the season ticket you bought at X price is going to be to see guys that are not necessarily ever going to start when everyone's around. Um, you're paying the same price for a lower quality product. Um, and there's point. no, there's no way around that. Um, if you shorten that schedule, it's going to happen. Uh, either that or someone's, you know, the teams that decide that rotation isn't real, uh, their players are eventually going to pick up injuries because rotation is real and you do need to do it. Um, and then those lesser players are going to be on the field anyway. Um, so there's, there's no, there's no dodging it. Um, if you don't want to lengthen the schedule out to December, which means you you 
one. I mean, the real way to avoid this is uh, if if the conspiracy theorist uh, corner of soccer Twitter uh, were accurate, uh, MLS and Don Garber could just uh, through some sort of Shakespearean in magnitude scheme uh, eliminate the November FIFA window uh, by having the people that are in favor of it arrested or whatnot. Um, but you know, that's a fantastical thing that is not based in reality. So you've got to deal with the fact that FIFA is just going to have a November window, no matter what we do. Um, and so the, you know, the two questions are, or the, the two options are a shortened schedule that features multiple games with heavy rotation or dealing with a playoffs that loses momentum midway through. Um, and, that's the reality of where we play it. We can't move to a winter schedule because of the American or the, the North American climate um, canceling out. I think it's, you know, depending on how you feel about DC and Philly, it's between 12 and 14 teams would just be unable to host games during the winter, um, which is a no go. As far as I'm concerned, that's completely un- irrational and unworkable. Um, so yeah, there's no good, there's no good way to put it. There's always going to be a problem. Um, which is why I'm not necessarily motivated to change the schedule because it's just trading one problem for another problem. Yeah. I think as more Southern teams come online, Nashville, Miami, Austin, um, and, and with West coast teams, they have a little bit more of a maritime climate. Uh, it, it could make sense to move the schedule further into the, the last week or even two weeks of February and you you give those teams an early home game there sure. and 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 that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see five game home yeah. stands at the end of the year for northern teams. You work the schedule out so that I, at the end of this year even though DC United had that huge what was it seven game home stand mm-hmm. because of the crazy road trip at the beginning of the year they the league made sure everyone who was home in the second to last season or the second to last week of the season was away on decision day and vice versa. Uh, except for RSL who had a buy on decision day because odd number of teams, haha. Uh, but they, they still made sure that nobody just played all their last, their, their final final games at home. So there's, there are ways to work it out. So even if there are a few teams that always get to host games early in the year, you still end up equitable as far as home and road distribution by no later than a couple months into the season right. or, it, or it midway if you want to be really gentle about it. So I, it, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you're kind of hitting on something is that, you know, you can play a couple of games in the early, you know, uh, teams play one or two. Uh, home games, you know, almost guaranteed, you know, Minnesota's and, you know, Toronto are always going to have those games are going to be on the road for them. And Orlando's always going to start the season with two home games, et cetera. Um, but that's all the flexibility that there is. People always want to change the schedule radically and there's no room for it. It's all, yeah. you know, we're hemmed in. It's, this is not a, um, you know, you're not sharing a, a, a room size bed with somebody. You're sharing a twin bed. There's no room. You can't, you can't move your elbows or there's no room for anything. So you've just got to deal with these little tiny changes here and there. Um, And they seem like major changes, but they really probably aren't going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. I I look forward to the discussions about the playoff structure. I think that's where more debate will be, especially after we see a team get hot and win three or four games, four games. If they're not the one seed, You, you can't be mad when the one seed 
makes a run to MLS Cup, you can't say that the the playoff schedule was unfair because they they earned the one seed. But when uh, a seven seed, because part of this, yeah, part of the report is that uh, the the field will be expanded to seven teams, which means the one seed will be the only one with a bye. When a seven seed makes a run to MLS Cup and they lift a trophy after winning four games, despite being in at this point the bottom half of their conference, I I think there's going to be more consternation about this more condensed, limited playoffs i uh, i'm still a stand for for brian strauss's proposal which grant wall modified and i have my own modified version of it that i kick around in my head every now and again where there is group play four teams from you can do whatever knockout round but in the end you have four teams playing round robin higher seed hosts so if you're the one seed you host all the games at home and then in my version of it the the top team from each group which the groups are conferences essentially. So the top team from the Eastern group plays the second finisher from the Western group and vice versa. That way you can, if the best two teams are the Red Bulls and Atlanta, they have a chance to meet an MLS cup. If the top two teams are Seattle and Portland, they have a chance to meet an MLS cup. I think it could add for a lot more excitement and uh, a fairer playoff system as well. And that that's, that's my take, but that's not where MLS is going right now. Uh, and they don't seem likely to ever go in that route. But, you know, a boy can dream. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we call it a night? No, I, I think we're always going to end up with a playoff system that no one is actually delighted with. Um, it, that's just our eternal condition. That, that's kind of American soccer in a nutshell. To yeah. be honest, we're we're addicted to being unhappy with something. Yeah, I mean, being both American and soccer means that we are never going to be comfortable with our place in the world. Uh, e- even when we get past the inferiority complex, there will be we we will have issues. American soccer has a long life of uh, valuable therapy sessions ahead of it. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support the show financially, patreon.com slash filibuster is the place to do that. Find us on Twitter at blackandredu, at filibusterdcu. Plus, our personal accounts are all on the filibuster Twitter page. Uh, Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Download, subscribe, rate, review, um, do whatever else they ask you to do, I guess, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and stitcher overcast wherever you get your podcasts uh mostly though please tell a friend about the show that's a good way to spread the word for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason i have nothing goodbye